This show is brought to you by Slice on Broadway. Supporting Pittsburgh podcasting with the perfect pepperoni pizza, SliceOnBroadway.com. And listeners like you, support this show at Patreon.com slash AwesomeCast. Hey guys, it's the Awesome Cast. It's time to get geeky, get techie, have some fun here live from Pittsburgh, PA. Also live for the first time on Facebook Live. Holy crap, as well as all of our friends at live.sorgatronmedia.com. I'm Mike Sorg, at Sorgatron on the Twitters, uh, video producer here in the area. And with me on the line from Studio C, he's the guy behind Chilla Tech. It's at Chilla, John Chilla, ChillaTech.net. You're gadget extraordinaire. How you doing, sir? Pretty good. How are you? All that's, right. I think that's the longest. I want that on like a business card. Yeah, all the things. All the <laughs> things. That's okay. I think I just messed up your audio. Um, <laughs> how you doing, Chilla? Pretty good. How are you doing? All right. And we got a special guest. First time on the Awesome Cast. Well, we've had him on the Awesome Chat in the past. Uh, he's with Haggerty Media. Ryan Haggerty, a fellow hey. video producer, photographer, um uh that that works uh, across the across the the the, the uh, room from me in work hard pittsburgh <laughs> so it's a huge room like, it is a big room sometimes we we don't even know who's there no no absolutely not well you're hiding behind a pretty significantly sized uh imac so i can understand yeah. i can understand you got a lot going on over there <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of shuffling, but uh, yeah, yeah. So thanks for having me up here. I'm I'm ready to uh, learn a lot because you guys uh, are the masters of tech here. Oh, I don't know about that, but well, you have some pretty cool stuff. Uh, you know, uh, you have a movie uh, that's uh, premiering here uh, at the, actually the beginning of June. Yeah. Um, right up the what used to be a train line uh, from here uh, up at Hollywood uh, Hollywood Theater. Uh, can you tell us real quick uh, what you're involved in there? Woo. He's showing us the poster for so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Blood on the Leaves, and we were on Awesome Chat for it. Uh, we had some of the actors in for that as well, but uh, long and short of it, it's a uh, feature-length survival crime drama that uh, we produced here in Pennsylvania with a lot of Pennsylvania talent and also uh, some out-of-state talent. And uh, yeah, it's it's coming together. We just did a test screening yesterday uh, at the Hollywood. They're really fantastic people to work with. They support that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, June first is the uh, the premiere period. But it'll be the Pittsburgh premiere, and you guys can go on Show Clicks uh, for tickets. Which um, I have a Bitly on here, so that's not very helpful for this show. But we'll, we'll figure <laughs> something out with it. Uh, but BOTL Movie. Uh, dot com is the website. B O T L movie is also the little Facebook ending, and you can do at B O T L movie on Twitter, Instagram, that sort of thing to find out more about us. So, but yeah, awesome, so that's, awesome. That that's where that's at now. That's the kind of catch you up from the the last. And likely, it's probably, it's probably a link from Hollywood Theater's um, website themselves, because I know they go through... like Yeah, I just right? gave them some of the stuff, and they have the trailer. And uh, yeah, they, like I said, they're really great up there. They're going to play the trailer before mm-hmm. other movies that you know could be anything you know going on up there this month, uh, independent other, or otherwise. But uh, they, they're, they're willing to do that and uh, promote us on their website and social media. So like I said, really cool uh, Pittsburgh Theater. It's uh, pretty historic, I believe. I hope I'm not butchering this, but I believe that's where Night of the Living Dead first played in Pittsburgh, the Hollywood. 
I was not aware of that. Yeah, it's one. There's there's a Pittsburgh theater. I think it may be the Hollywood, though. Hmm. I don't know. I, I I feel like John Russo and Russ Reiner are gonna kick me if I'm wrong on that. But, <laughs> yeah. but I know now when it, we did a tour with Hollywood Theater back with Unsung. If you go to um, I think it's uh, Unsung News uh, YouTube.com/slash Unsung News. Go look for the Hollywood Theater, and there's some of the extended like walkthroughs that we did nice. of it, and we got to check out. It was, it was before they got the digital projector, and when we were up there, they did have a a big print of Night of the Living Dead. Oh, that's awesome. Like on one of the big spools, right? The big 35 millimeter or whatever film, right? Yeah, so I, I feel like that's a thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, but regardless, they are, you know, if you, if you haven't been up there or if you've been going on their website, you can kind of see that, uh, you know, just like a lot of independent theaters these days, they do film series, they get independent stuff, they get interactive stuff, they get special guests. I mean, they're not just pumping out the same old, same old that a budget theater or, you know, whatever you might think would, would pump out there curating and kind of trying to tap into these different uh, fan bases and nerddoms and everything mm-hmm. else that are here in the city. So I, I've enjoyed going to see movies that I didn't get to see in a theater when I was younger, like Ghostbusters, Princess Bride, yeah. Die Hard they would do around Christmas, right? Like stuff like that. Uh, Striking Distance I think they had in there as well. Uh, it, it's it's a really cool place. And, and like I said, and a lot of a lot of the, the independent stuff as well. Actually, um, a few months ago when they were releasing the movies around when YouTube Red – Mm-hmm. was coming out. Uh, there was one that Rooster Teeth did that I can't even remember the name of it, to be honest. It was, I think it's called Rocket Team, maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it, like they played it there, and I didn't even... It, it's kind of going to it that I found out about the YouTube Red. It's one of those, you know, that limited, you know, release stuff. Knights of Bad Aston was one that went in there. Like, I love those kind of quirky, weird... Well, and I, I know, like uh, I don't know if they've done it there, but I know, uh, like, shows are starting to do stuff, like Doctor Who has been doing this for a while, where yeah. they premiere, what, their Christmas episode episode and maybe the first episode of the season or something like that in theaters Mm -hmm. so you're finding more and more that uh yeah it's 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 this general um pool that that people are experiencing right now with a lot of media and other uh you know things where they're kind of moving away from perhaps the purely digital you know handheld whatever towards something that's maybe a little more of an experience or tangible or uh, yeah, so I think theaters are, are definitely benefiting from that. So, and they're doing a lot of work to make that happen too. But I'll throw the link in the in the notes over on the on the um, uh, Facebook. But um, if you go check out, uh, look for Unsung Forty Seven, the Hollywood Theater. Uh, you'll find that interview we have with Chad Hunter up there uh, that, that runs the place and and a little bit of the tour and a little bit about the history there. And then we have some um, extra stuff around that. You just kind of checking the place out where he's talking about different stuff that they've done about around the renovation and everything yeah. um, um, that they did several years ago. Yeah. And they um, are a uh, volunteer run theater. Um, what is it? Friends of the Hollywood Dormont or friend. Yeah. I think that's the name of the group. So they, they have a board and nonprofit and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the money they get from ticket sales, theater rentals, uh, when they did the uh, big drive to, to go digital so they could keep screening films, you know, that's all kind of community support. So, you know, if you want to see more cool stuff like that happening with these films, whether it's independent or, you know, like uh, Mike was saying, seeing Ghostbusters come up on a big giant screen, you know, mm-hmm. this is the place that it can happen. You just have awesome. to kind of participate. One of those cool things happening here in the South Hills. All right, but this is the awesome cast also happening here in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, right here in Beachview. And uh, you can check us out. We're here live uh, every 
Tuesday night. We are we are moseying in and talking about uh, random geek things around six thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Live.sorgatronmedia.com. You can also please follow us on Facebook because we just figured out how to stream on Facebook using the same stream you see over at live.sorgatronmedia.com. So you'll get a notification when we go live or maybe we have any special episodes or anything like that if this all works out and we keep doing this. Everything looks like it's pretty smooth so far, and we'd love to get your feedback on how that looks as the unedited version of it before we put all the bells and whistles and the intros and outros and and all that stuff in there. Uh, Please also uh, uh, follow the show on Twitter at AwesomeCast, uh, and you can subscribe to the show in audio and video formats on YouTube, on iTunes, on Google Music. We're on there as well if you're getting the podcast stuff. Uh, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you can uh, find your podcast. Uh, whatever is most convenient for you. Just Facebook is another option now. Um, also, a uh, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Thistle C Business Development at Thistle C on the Twitter up there in Cranberry Township. As well as our good friend Michael Fedor at Mike Fedor Show on the Twitters as well. Go check out what they're working on and thank them for supporting the show. Actually, a state of the awesome cast, a state of the show video just went out today to those guys. They're the only ones that get to see it, talk about some of the stuff that we're doing, some of the stuff that's coming up, some of the stuff that we've been working on to help expand the show's audience. Um, and, and we'd like to get feedback from you too as well. So please go check that out, patreon.com slash awesomecast. You don't have to toss money at us though. Just share the show, anything to help get the word out there is really really um is re- we're very thankful for uh, uh in the long run um also you can check us out we're part of the river's edge pittsburgh river's edge pgh.com we're there um on their live stream 8 a.m every thursday after funny money you can catch this show and if you're uh driving into work at work and it got some pretty cool music actually if you go over the sorgatron media's uh youtube and facebook check out the plants and zombies a video that that uh uh from from us hanging out at millville uh may days down there with the river's edge uh some zombies from Scarehouse came down and it was uh, it was a lot of fun uh so go check that out so let with that let's get into our awesome things of the week Chilla, it looks like you got some keyboard follow-up action here. No, this is mislabeled. We just talked <laughs> no, about said, this. Yeah, so we went from key, War of the Keyboards to War of the AIs. Oh. So so I think there was a, I am uh, horrible a TechCrunch as, disrupt. I am horrible at segueing you. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's quite all right. That's quite all right. Um, so uh, TechCrunch Disrupt... Uh, was recently, and the company that created Siri originally, that Apple Apple bought Siri from, um, they've actually started to tease their next virtual assistant. Um, her name will be Viv. Um, interestingly enough, it, it sounds like it's going to be less of an app and more of kind of a an Alexa type ecosystem where you can plug into a multitude of services when you think of Alexa think of I think personally I think of you know audible read me this book or turn my hue lights on or play this across my sonos or or whatnot so those types of services when you think of them you're really using the AI to then make use of hundreds or thousands of other services. Um, this is much of that same vein where you're going to be able to say, remind me when I'm on my way to my brother's house to pick up a bottle of wine that will pair with the lasagna I made. Um, AIs today can't 
can't really handle that. If you start to look at where Microsoft wants to take Cortana and Facebook wants to take its kind of chat bots, I think this is of the same same type of theory. Um, it's definitely something of interest to me uh, personally. I, I could find myself using this a lot. Um, I find myself using, I'm looking forward to the Cortana update for Xbox One to see what that brings um, because I'm very big on controlling devices with my voice. This seems to to me to kind of take it to the next level. Like I said, where you could say, remind me of this or on such and such day, please process an order for flowers for Mother's Day or or whatnot. So that's where I could definitely see see a product like this and the other thing where where i really enjoy seeing updates and other companies come to the stage um for this is it it definitely spawns other companies like google apple facebook microsoft they're all going to have to answer back to this right so how how are they going to up their game and their services to compete um so i'm huge on competition as we've talked before in the show Mm-hmm. So I, I have a question about all this. So is this more on the natural language recognition level? Is that kind of the advance? Like, what's the advancement that they're making that's making this possible? It's it's the natural language. It has a better understanding of complex questions. So one of the examples, will it be warmer than 70 degrees near the Golden Gate Bridge after 5 p.m. the day after tomorrow? Okay, I can see that. So you have to parse that. Like, it actually has to look at it and say, okay, what the heck is the Golden Gate Bridge? And what that means, I'm looking at San Francisco, I'm looking at this area. It, you know, it's parsing that down. Yeah, that's, that, that seems to be, seem to be the biggest thing. Siri, you know, these are the guys that originally did Siri. Siri was an app before it was integrated in our phones. Siri as an app before it was integrated in our phones could do a lot more. Yeah. There was a lot more. That's where I'm interested in this too. To your point, series and I, I look at so this to me is going to be Siri comes with the iPhone. OK Google is only in the OK Google app. I'm wondering because of the way the original version of Siri was written, it was written where you could adapt it into any application. I'm wondering if you're going to get two sides of this coin of Viv. You're going to have someone's going to write a Viv app and you're going to launch the app and you're going to be able to talk to Viv like you do Siri. Then there's going to be all these other services and this is where I think Apple's definitely missed the boat. Um, you're going to be able to tie Viv into your application. So if I'm if I'm Twitter, you might be able to take Viv and say, in, inside of Twitter, Twitter can tie back into Viv as well and you could tell Twitter inside the app, Viv post tomorrow at 3 p.m. or retweet tomorrow at 3 p.m. the post I'm posting right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what uh, a lot of people are touting is being the next progression that uh, graphic user interfaces were initially for uh, computers, for people to kind of say, oh, I can use this. Uh, that if we can somehow have voice recognition, do some of those same things. Like if you think about the task of going through a series of folders to find something, you know, you can type in a search and do a query and all this. Uh, If you can just have voice recognition where you say, pull up the most recent, you know, version of the premier project I was working on. uh, And it's, you know, 16 folders deep or whatever. You've just sped up your, 
your process. Uh, so they're kind of thinking that it, it just, you know, everything that makes it more intuitive and more natural for the end user to use, the more likely that we're going to be using things or, you know, the, the greater complexity of what we'll be doing with them, only it'll have a simpler interface on how we do that. So I've heard a lot of discussion about that, how, you know, voice recognition really becomes as uh, easy to use as we'd like it to be, like perhaps with this Viv uh, app here, that graphic user interfaces, we'd be kind of using, you know, keyboards and mice still, but some of the functions we're doing right now would be replaced by that. I mean, it's already happening, but I guess to a greater extent. Yeah, I mean, as it is, I mean, how much do I say, you know, hey, mm-hmm, uh, uh, set my alarm for tomorrow, you know, or or remind me to do this. So, like that's at least like like limited. But but you have a few tasks that like, well, I just talked to my thing and I say, okay, this or hey, this, mm-hmm. and um, and it happens, you know. Or if you have an Alexa, you know, or an Echo, um, you you have a lot more that you can do with buying things and reminders and and, and other functions around there. Um, I mean, look. look Look at look at the Echo. It's it's a computer without a screen. It's an internet device without a screen that you interact with. Well, and it, it kind of opens up the possibilities for you know you could be remotely too, and you could literally call into your computer and say, "Hey, process." You know, like I, I don't know, I do a lot with uh, converting video files and things, and uh, you know, you need to process a file three different ways and you, you know, you left the office or whatever and forgot to do it. You can call in and just have your computer do that remotely. I mean. It's it's funny because I'm, I'm actually, if you ever dealt with WebEx, they have a proprietary format. I would love to be able to say, computer, go grab the latest, latest recording from my, my WebEx and convert it to MP, MP4 and then upload it to the yeah. FTP site. Yeah, like that's where I could see this just being absolutely amazing. Yes, well, yeah, and then eventually, I mean, you'd have to couple it with something where computers can kind of watch. I mean, you you can do things in, uh, for instance, Photoshop called that are called actions, where I don't know, maybe you're creating a watermark in the lower right hand quarter, and it records everything you do, and then you have a label on that. So you know, you couple that with something like voice recognition, you could probably do exactly what you just said. Yeah, because they're getting the macros. The macros are not a new thing, you know. Yeah. But so it's really just having a voice command connects to a macro on your computer. Um, you know, hey, hey, uh, uh, hey, mm-hmm, uh, Bumblebee tuna, and that opens up my, <laughs> yeah. my uh, final cut in my compressor and goes through a whole thing, right? Where it turns all the shows from last night into MP3s and posts them on on my host. You know, you know, like like something like that. That's, yeah, yeah, or uh, only you'd call it intern. You wouldn't call it Viv. You say, "Hey, hey intern. intern." That's what you do. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my big question when you said Viv. When I read Viv on there, I was like, "Why are they all being like? Are there are there's like a group of programmers that want to tell women what to do or something somewhere that they haven't had? Like, what what happened to Jeeves, man? Seriously, where did he go? Jeeves, man. Jeeves, Jeeves has been let go. Jeeves has been retired, and they took his name off of it. Like they, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could have a Sebastian. I mean, there's so many like dude names we could have too. I mean, it's okay to to, to have a dude doing things too. Why, why are they all women gets, so far? I, you know, but it does. I like I it it, it re- weirds me out because my mom has the guy voice for Siri. Okay, and um, and she seems like I got a guy. On is this. he is he Ciro at that point? I have no idea. It's still Siri, Ciro? but it's like, well, I, I have the Australian voice, and she's very sassy, and um, Ooh. just for something a little different, but. uh uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's a possibility, but um, 
Well, also, obviously, there's a bunch of dude programmers, right? I, I think you know it's been stated several times in these articles. Um, so usually, you like the other, um, you know, the other sex to be the assistant. It's more soothing. It's, it's okay. You can say servant. Servant. <laughs> Ser- okay, maybe I don't know. I, didn't, I wasn't going to go that way, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think it's. Uh, yeah, it's some kind of mentality there. It's some some kind of some kind of psychological thing. So, I don't know. but we'll see. I, I I'm interested to see where this comes from. Is I feel like this isn't the first thing that they've done too. Like I feel like there was wait, Hound was somebody else. Was is that right? Because I thought that was Siri people too. Yeah the 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 company that that originally built Siri and sold it to Apple. Yeah, these are the original creators. But I thought those creators also did Hound that that was making waves a, a few weeks ago. Was it the one? Is they were they also the, well? I think they're whoever's backing them did the what's the we covered it here? Is it the AIX the one that does the scheduling? Oh yeah, yeah, the one that was a um, it, it was in it was in kind of beta, and I think we're all in line for it. So I'll get my email about it in like about a month when I forgot what the heck it is. Um, <clears throat> But no, uh, Hound vo- uh, voice search and assistant was one that that I know a lot of people were talking about. And again, it's one of those that does, um, um, you know, answers questions in succession. You know, uh, I yeah, I can say you know what was the weather yesterday and what you know what else happened yesterday. You know, like it like it it kind of you can go through a process of questions instead of you have a question and it doesn't know what to do next. It doesn't have the context to that previous question. They also made the uh, music recognition software too, right? Where you could play a song and it would pull up the artist and all Are that. Are you thinking SoundHound? Sh- 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 yeah, Sam but I think it's like the that. same company. Is it the same company? I'm pretty sure. It is, actually, it is SoundHound. I'm looking at it. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah so I think they kind of use that as maybe their uh, testing ground because like it got it, to hear so many different right, right. Uh, types of sounds and had to identify the language but the know, biggest problem you have you know as usual is is okay i need to go into an app versus touch a button and i'm talking to siri touch a button and i'm talking to my google assistant if i'm on android you know that's why oh google uh <laughs> i'm trying not to wake everybody's phone up because i've had my siri kick off on on some daily tech news show recently oh, actually funny. uh so now I'm, I'm a little more sensitive to that um but uh you know you have to open a thing you you gotta say hmm, siri um open hound and then say okay hound i know i'm not gonna wake up anybody's okay hound um unless they named their <laughs> okay google something weird um and there i am saying the things uh you know it's not a direct thing. You have to think to go into that app in order to start talking to it. And then by the time mm-hmm. you do that, it's like, geez, I might as well just open up Google and search the thing and make it happen. Yeah. Well, and, and so, so, so that's where, and, and I know, I, I think we're going to start to see AIs talking to other AIs. And I've heard, I think they, Andy and Akko talk about this. Um, so Apple's probably not going to let Viv at, at the front end of the device, but you can tell, Apple's voice assistant, her name to be unnamed because I don't want to launch a bunch of assistants. But if you told her to launch Facebook and then Facebook had Viv built in, then you could tell Viv to do something after the first assistant launched Facebook. Or what I've also heard the theory being is if you, you could actually say to Viv, Viv, 
tell Alexa to turn on my kitchen lights. <laughs> and Viv this could is... communicate back to your house to Alexa that they, they could then launch the third-party integration to a Lutron lighting system that maybe Viv isn't Viv can't interface with today. So that's where I think it's going to get interesting is when you hear about these third-party implementations and integrations that um, like Apple HomeKit today, um, that she can, what should we call her? Siri? Yeah, so fine. Siri, so we can if say I, if I Siri. Said, we can't just uh, say we can't say <laughs> we can't say the word with Siri. We can say Siri all we want. I'm pretty okay. sure. So if you if you Call were to instruct Iris. Siri to Iris. do something Iris. and she couldn't, she had didn't have integration like she does with certain home things that are HomeKit certified. Mm-hmm. She might be able to play. Mm-hmm. Think about if if you could say um, Siri. Over my speakers at home, say this, and then she repeated what you said, and mm. what you, what she repeated was, "Alexa, turn on the crockpot." <laughs> this is the most and because interesting. the crockpot's Wemo. Yeah. it's not it's not integrated with HomeKit, but it but Wemo is integrated with Alexa. This is uh, the most interesting electronic Rube Goldberg <laughs> machine that you could do. All right, let's. Uh, Spoil down. A what if bit. they start talking to each other about you? Like that's when it gets really. And then, <laughs> and then the movie Her happens, and they all go off and have a electronic community together. Um, but, I, but I really think that the the first person that builds that bridge that lets them talk to each other is is going to be the winner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Ryan, you have uh, some stuff from NAB. NAB. I'm still catching up with everything going on at NAB. A lot of fun toys that I know I can't afford. Uh, but Lytro cameras were a big thing over there. What's happening with Lytro? Oh, gosh. Um, so this company, Lytro, that, uh, their initial product was they were coming up with what they called these uh, light field cameras. And the initial thing that they did was a stills camera that, I don't know, I guess it looked like a little uh, you know, rectangular prism sort of shaped camera. And the thing that was the you know the big to do about it was that you could take a picture with it, and then using their software, you could refocus the image after you took it. Which uh, for you know everybody that's looked at a picture with a you know they've taken with a decent camera or whatever, you can kind of see where the focus is in the image. And if you missed focus or whatever, traditionally you you know that was it. You you either got it when you took the picture. Or you, you really couldn't shift that or, or correct that, uh, like a lot of things that you can do uh, in post. So uh, Lytro is a company, uh, I guess they kind of decided that was uh, not working out so well, and they moved towards special effects and um, cinema uh, cameras. So they're showcasing this giant camera that uh, I, I think one article described it as like a a naval, uh, you know, giant cannon sort of a weapon. Like it's this big metal box looking thing. Almost looks like a camera you'd see at like a sporting event. You know, the guy rides on and points around. But uh, so this does what the stills camera did and a lot more. So the camera itself, like they give you all these different specs with megapixels and everything. But kind of what what gives it its special sauce is it has uh, what are called micro lenses that read all the angles of light that the camera is recording in the image in front of it. 
So it's kind of like the opposite of what you might do with a computer 3D rendering program where you could literally create the lights and then it uses, you know, math and whatnot to uh, figure out what that light would look like according to what you input. It's more or less reading that scene and reading the incident angles of the light and uh, you know, it's kind of like what ray tracing does in 3D uh, lighting for, you know, 3D animation and all that. Only it's reading that information and kind of feeding that into uh, the camera digitally. And it records a massive amount of in- information. And then when you bring that into software, not only can you refocus the camera, you can pretend like you were shooting at a whole different aperture. Uh, you can, without the use of a green screen, you can actually use the depth information that it recorded to completely remove a subject from the background. You can turn the image into a 3D image. Uh, You can change the frame rate. You can do all of these, and I'm just remembering the things that I read in there and watched from the video because some of it was over my head, but um, essentially they're recording so much information about the scene that you can virtually manipulate a lot of those factors that normally are locked in such as frame rate which uh, frame rate has everything to do with how motion is represented it's how slow-mo is pulled off uh, and you can kind of simulate that in post and you can do it to whatever degree you want to um, so for cinematography in general for somebody you know like myself that's you know had years of training and looking at cameras and figuring out you know how do I get the the best image possible and all that. They're saying that the placement and movement of the camera still needs to be dictated at the time you record. Uh, and the lighting needs to be set the way it's going to be set when you record. But some of the things I mentioned, like uh, frame rate, being able to uh, break down the composite, you know, and have a different background or whatever, um, you know, those sorts of things, changing the focus, uh, that can all be done based off of that massive amount of information it's recording at the time. So some people are are kind of looking at it as like, oh, this is, you know, not, you know, the purest, I guess, and saying, well, now you're just saying fix everything in post. Um, Whereas they're looking at it, I think, like I said, more from a a visual effects angle. Because when you watch a movie, even a movie that you would not consider to be visual effects heavy, if it's a big budget film, there's a lot of visual effects in there. Like even looking at, uh, I remember watching a behind the scenes for Wolf of Wall Street. And they have like palm trees, you know, I haven't seen the whole movie, but palm trees in this one beach scene and all this, you know, scenery leading up through this big uh, either drone or helicopter shot. And they showed the before and after and they put trees in the scene like you couldn't find a freaking beach that had enough trees. Come on. Uh, But, you know, little things like that all the way up to we need to make a period piece set. We need to do whatever. I mean, a lot of it is they record the bare minimum with the talent there on location. They replace doors. They replace skylines. They replace all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, big budget films, visual effects heavy films are probably looking at this stuff really closely and figuring out, you know, it's brand new, like how to play with it. But It really is just the more information you have, the more you can manipulate, right? Yeah. Because otherwise you have to create more, right? Or you have to rebuild or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and and the, the idea that you're basically every frame that you're taking is like you took that same frame from every possible variation you can think of mathematically and visually and then it just kind of gives you just more options in the long run yeah so i guess it's those micro lenses are not only 
getting the light information, but that also gives them the depth information. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of the key to the way that it works. Uh, being able to tell how far objects are in relation. Like I said, it's kind of the reverse of if you built a 3D model of something in software, you're kind of inputting what it's recording from the real world, and it's almost recreating that scene in not entirely three dimensions because it can't see beside or behind you know, the thing it's recording, but it can tell a lot of that depth information that would be like what you would create in a 3D wow. program. So again, not not to be a sloppier video person, but just to have more options in the long run. So yeah. well, and, and I think I think you brought up a good point of you know things that you have to alter later on about like putting more palm trees in. Think about how many times movies have to bring in a ton of extras, and now I know they 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 do a lot of those crowd scenes with with actually special effects i I think for those those types of things if i if i don't have to hire an extra 400 people to make a a mall scene look busy it definitely gives you a lot more capability and and with what what you may be able to else what else you may be able to do with that money for for your movie so i I definitely am all for it i I don't know uh, money wise more logistics i feel like because i can't think this is going to not be pricey but uh (laughs) but there is there is a lot more you have to deal with if you like i need a place what do you think it took them to do that scene in in, uh the last batman movie they did in heinz field where they filled like like you know a third of the lower deck so they could multiply it, make it look like a, a full stadium later, and they had thousands Dude, were you of there that there. day? I was there that day, and it was miserable. Yeah, and then they made they made everyone move around because they couldn't. Yeah, it was. And it was and, hot, and you got like like <laughs> only so much water, and it was, and you were stuck, and they wouldn't let you leave. It was it was it was miserable, absolutely. They, they miserable. wanted you to feel like you were literally being held hostage. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, it was it was it was the middle of June, and they mm-hmm. you had to wear winter clothing. Yeah, yeah, that, that was part of it too. Magic. Yep, yep, and they had a, and they're using the crazy IMAX film thing that kept breaking, and uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and even you're you're talking about uh, using one of these Lytra cameras. Like they said it's inter- enterprise solution right now. So yeah, uh, you know, when the first digital cameras were coming out, it was like a film camera, you know, like stills that was adapted mm-hmm. with a big long cable to a suitcase mm-hmm. with a hard drive that you I don't know maybe got like ten or a hundred pictures on. While this thing is, you know, this giant tank weapon of a camera <laughs> attached to, I believe, I believe it's servers right now recording that information. Like mm-hmm. that's how how much data, how quickly it has to be written. It can't just be handled by like a SSD, you know, drive or it's, something. It's the Ed two hundred nine of uh, of camera technology. Um, it, well, even like some of the three sixty cameras, we this like Quadro uh, Quadra four I that we that was just on pre order. Um, like it's yeah, you put the thing on a pole, but then there's line, a giant cord that goes over here, and it's a PC. Mm. It's a three thousand dollar PC over here that that crunches all the numbers, so you can do live streaming, you can do the stuff. You don't have to wait; it does the stitching on the fly. Like that's what it takes. Versus, mm. and that's why the four hundred dollar Rico Theta is like we can only do a couple of things on this little thing. You know, it's just that's how it goes. But well, and that's and that's the the big question. It's like any any time a new piece of there, okay, so there's the people that think about a new piece of tech and think, all right, I can I can do this because of math and science and you know <laughs> you know and processors are at this right, level and, right, all, and they right. figure that out. Yeah. But the cool thing is is when the right person or team or group or whatever gets their hands on it. 
and they discover what it could you know the other person may never have even in their wildest dreams thought it could be used for this but they start thinking about well what if you know so even what Lytro is proposing with it they're just proposing it to an existing market and then also mm-hmm. looking at crossovers and things like that and there's somebody sitting out there somewhere right now that's going to do this whole crazy new thing with it that could blow we it can up do, we can do x now you know yeah that exactly and then that, it's the same that's thing happened the magic connection with there. all the rest of the stuff with any of this stuff uh, red cameras how many people taking those out and doing some amazing things uh when that came out it just you know that, that, that connection from the design to the the, the, the artist using this kind of stuff. So, yeah. all right, I got one more awesome thing of the week here that I was talking. I was I, I got into this today. Um, so you know, I've been this is our VR corner for the week. Um, so so obviously, you know, our friends are looking for group. They got the new Vive. They got they got the Oculus Rift, and they're uh, if they haven't yet, they're going to get like the actual final version as well uh, coming in. But you know, I'm still playing with my Google Cardboard. You know, like a you know. Like a dude uh, that doesn't have a ton of money and 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 and, and a fifteen hundred dollar PC, uh, and uh, man, I really wish I could play some of those games. Like I got some good experiences on the cardboard, but I'd like to, to check out some real VR stuff. Well, there's a couple of options that are, are out. Uh, v Ridge is one of them, and this is a a a software and and it's it's kind of in beta right now, but basically puts PC VR games on your Google Cardboard phone. Whoa! It's currently for Android and, of course, PC stuff. And there's another one called Trinus Trinus VR um, that does something similar as well. Uh, Both, I believe, are saying that soon they'll have um, iOS versions for these. So what it's doing is you install the software on your PC. You load up the games, and it's only supporting currently like a a certain list of games. Um, And, and of course, there's going to be latency. So basically, it's taking that, turning it into Google cardboard friendly imagery and broadcasting that over wi-fi to your google cardboard so i I believe how this works is you can sit there in front of your computer so you got your mouse and keyboard you have your controller pad or whatever is best for the game in front of you and then you're just using your phone and google cardboard instead of an oculus headset it's not going to be perfect because it doesn't have all the technology in that. There's going to be probably, and they're saying probably a couple of frames of lag in here. Um, so if you're you're prone to the sickness and everything, that will not work too well. But still, it's an interesting stopgap solution that you can experience some of these things at least on a lower level with hardware that you already have. Um, I did not get an opportunity to sit down with this because, again, you know, I, I have the a Nexus tablet. And it doesn't work too well with my cardboard, but but I do want to play with it a little bit. Um, and they're showing like a, a, a Unreal 4 uh, thing. And also the PC I have on hand is not terribly powerful. So, uh, so, I so don't this know is treating your, your PC like the console and then your phone is kind of like the monitor that it's running off of. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's combining technology because your phone does, I don't know, I guess maybe things that your PC doesn't do. Or I guess it's more the cardboard that well, you're it, using it's it more, It's more the the PC is doing all the work. Yeah. And then broadcasting it over. Like, like you know, Steam does something similar where, actually, my brother has it set up in his house. He's got a really old laptop, right? Can barely run anything on this thing. It's like one of the first convertible laptops that ran like Vista, I think, when it came out, right? And uh, But he's got a computer he built several years ago. He throws all of the big, crazy games on it. And streams, and you can play it anywhere in the house. Hmm. You know, like like it's kind of that. It's just offsetting that hardware in yeah. the long run. 
um, kind of, uh, you know, or, or kind of like how OnLive used to do it. And I actually think PlayStation Network does this now where um, you're, the games you're playing are actually on a server somewhere and not actually being processed on your console, right? Um, it's well, just even, kind of I think out. the Xbox, I think the Wii U's kind of doing that. The next version of Nintendo is going to do that. The Xbox One does that today with their right. um, ability to stream to to win any Windows 10 device. I, I think you brought up a good point with the PlayStation's doing it. I think this is the next step. Because mm-hmm. so, it's also not, when you get to those those devices that are lower power, um, big battery, low processor, putting the offloading the the all the heavy compute to the back end is where you get the longevity of the battery and the the, the kind of thin and light device that's in your hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now there is a um, uh, what I'm looking at the Trinus, and I, I don't know what entirely the differences are between the the, the Trinus VR at TrinusVR.com or the V-Ridge. Uh, but I, that one actually does have a Mac and Linux version of one of the demos that you can download. So, uh, like for this one, you know, what do you need? A smartphone with a, a gyroscope, um, a PC, fourth gen- generation Intel i5. This is the the, the, the Trinus VR uh, Wi-Fi, hopefully Wi-Fi AC, and then Google Cardboard, a piece nice. of cardboard. Um, <laughs> like that's that's awesome. Uh, so again, this is early. You never know. Um, we'll see what this kind of turns into as it gets better. Maybe we won't need Oculus as bad to like get into a lot of these things. Um, but of course it's going to start on Android because uh, it's the more open of the platforms for them to play well, with. This, this is a, a good idea. I, I was looking in um, Google Play just for a- Android games in general, but they have some that you can Chromecast to your TV too. They're mm-hmm. like party games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I think, I think here, something that... Uh, you know, hopefully video game makers and streaming people and all that are thinking about is that we, we still use our TVs in our living rooms for, uh, or at least I'm, I'm making a generalization here, but uh, streaming video content, you know, perhaps some people hook it up and use it like as a big PC monitor or something. But um, there's going to be a lot of like TV, you know, use that is cable and satellite eventually is going to drop out. And it's like, okay, well, what do we need a big screen for? Uh, and a lot of people will talk about movies and things like that, but being able to, uh, you know, do those those casts in mm-hmm. different ways, whether it's your content for a video game or content for anything, like like we were talking about with the uh, uh, the voice activation, being able these devices being able to communicate is going to become more and more important. So whether it's sharing screen data, you know, and having the smart machine do the heavy lifting or if it's the uh, voice activation kind of stuff it's gonna it's gonna be a, a brave new world it's gonna be fun awesome yeah looking forward to it like i said trans vr and v ridge look them up give them a shot if you have android phones if you got a decent pc you want to try some of this out uh at least like throw on some of the steam vr dem- demos uh and see I- i'm planning to here in the, in the coming week maybe i'll throw windows 10 on one of the Macs or something and, and see what I can do with it. Or maybe I'll throw it on the, the, this machine here that we're doing wirecast on. I don't know. All right. Well, 
what you don't need a compatibility update for with some fine pizza, like our friends over at Slice on Broadway, uh, right here in Beachview. Uh, Ryan, you said you've, you've checked them out here before. I uh, had them here in studio, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, during the winter, when you, you don't feel like leaving or, you know, cooking or moving or doing much of anything, they are a great dinner option. Uh, nice, hot pizza. Melts the ice right off your car when you take it home with you. It's fantastic. <laughs> so Rico and the guys are really awesome, really cool crew. Uh, they actually had something on their Instagram uh, a couple, last week where their dough machine blew up. Hey, pizza making is hard, guys, and these guys are risking themselves and their cleanliness and getting 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 flour exploded on them for for you. For you guys out there and supporting this show, supporting Pittsburgh podcasting with the perfect pepperoni pizza now at PNC Park, the home of the Pittsburgh Pirates. So you can go check them out there as well as here along the tracks slash the construction of the Jersey Barriers here in Beachview or down on Main Street in Carnegie, PA. Uh, check them out, sliceonbroadway.com. Follow them on Twitter, PGH underscore slice or slice on Broadway on the Facebook and the Instagram and let them know the awesome cast sent you. Uh, so, uh, let's uh, t- touch on some, um, well, when I got an app that really has my attention, uh, this past week, um, GoPro released an app. They have a couple apps actually. And I, I actually didn't get to dig into the other one that they have going on here. Uh, but it's called quick, which throws me cause one of the early video streaming, uh, uh, that, uh, uh applications that actually got mentioned on a, on another podcast, uh, recently um, was called this quick with no C basically. So just look for GoPro quick. You'll, you'll probably come across it. Do you, uh, Chilla, do you remember Adobe post? I do not remember Adobe post, but I actually used the original quick <laughs> on, on a jailbroken iPhone gen one. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically over, over 2g network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little too so, early. So I do, and actually, when I thought when I saw this, I'm like, did GoPro somehow buy that company, and now they're going to do a bunch of streaming? I believe there was no U when Quick was out previously, um, but in this case, and I want to see if I can pull up a couple of samples here because I, I I've been using it a little bit. Uh, so so Adobe Post is the thing. If you see any images from Awesome Cast or Wrestling, so we, I, so we did. Oh. We you covered Post. But it's more for stills, right? That's for stills. And it, it kind of has some design stuff kind of set up for you already. Like if you usually see any, hey, check out the Wrestling Mayhem Show or check, go join us live for Awesome Cast or I have uh, promo images that pop up for the podcast, like in Facebook and Instagram and stuff, that's usually Adobe Post. I'm going in there and I'm playing with their, their stuff. You know, I'm not sitting in Photoshop and I'm like, what font should I use? Like I'm letting it help me decide, right? Because um, that's a design skill I'm not terribly good at. So I, it kind of gives me a little bit of a, a design training wheels uh, to, to work on these things. And I can amend them to things and try to make them my own a little bit. This is basically the video version of that, which is pretty freaking cool. Um, so you and, – and, and you guys know like Auto Awesome for, for Google Photos. If you have everything uploaded in that, like uh, every once in a while it will give you – a random, hey, we took all your videos and look what we made. And and maybe you'll like it. Maybe it's kind of weird because it's all like Snapchat videos and they did a funny, weird vertical video squared thing with it. Um, and, and sometimes you'll see me share those on Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, this does that. Like it, it will actually look at your feed and, and figure out like, oh, here's a couple of days you spent in Pittsburgh. Here's a couple of days you spent in this town. Um, here's a weekend here. And, and try to 
figure something out for you, right? So it's kind of like your naggy mom, and it's like, why are you not doing anything with your images in your life? <laughs> let me, kind of. let me, <laughs> let me show you how great this could so, be. So, so I'm, I'm generally <laughs> taking a lot of video lately on my phone, like as, as you know, just a thing I'm doing. And uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. If you guys are on video, uh, you know, here's a shoot I was at, and I was just taking some other kind of extra shots on oh, the side. Good. And what's that? Vanessa German. Oh, she's Vanessa, good. she's awesome, by the way. I, and this is a thing I did at, at Art Image Resource on the north north side um, um, last week. And it was just, you know, a lot of random stuff. And that that's a template that they did. And you can throw some text in. It gives you something to do with that text. Um, another one I did. So this is with Quick, you're saying? This is with Quick. Okay. Uh, so, again, you just kind of throw your clips in there. And there are a lot of options. It'll actually go through and you can pick. Here's the from the Framework Fest that, that you and I worked, Ryan. Actually, you were in that shot um, on, from Saturday night, which is a, a concert and arts festival that happened. Again, some random shots. Throw it in. There's some music that plays in the background. But you can go in and change everything because a lot of times it would take my clips and it would take this 20-second clip. And I'm like, ah, let's throw that down to three seconds and here's the good part. And, and, and now I have a nice... 15 second video i can throw on instagram i can throw on facebook um which is really good since i'm uh, if you listen to my basic ergonomics i've been really interested in like how do you do facebook video with text to get people's attention mm-hmm. this is a nice easier way um to do that and this is kind of my like hey if you want to do video and you're not a video professional use this thing you know, I'm a video professional, and I use this thing because I don't feel like open up Final Cut. Let's see what we're going to do here with the titles and everything like that, and come up with everything yourself. It gives you the head start with everything like this. So, where did it pull Vanessa German from? Was that something you had to that's, input? That's text that I input, like something like that. Okay. Um, and I think there's another video here from the other day. No, I think that's the latest one that I had. There's another one that was floating around. Oh, there's one from Friday when we hung out in Millville May Days too. Um, so again, like some of these have graphics, you know, um, and they they have like their own themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so again, and there's plenty of other applications that have done this, but this does it really well. And you can really get in there and tinker with things a little bit too, right? And you can add, really add a lot of style to it. And they have a lot of options going on here, um, even like a little bit easier than using something like an iMovie, right? So, um, so try that out. It's uh, GoPros Quick, and they actually have another one called, I think, Splicer, Slicer, or something like that. I didn't get to dive into that. I just actually noticed that that was part of their. I feel like um, uh, Facebook is also trying to do something like that. Didn't they introduce a video editing component at some point? I think so, but they've they've like had so many different random applications. <laughs> yeah. Over the time, uh, you know, I don't. Know. It was it was a uh, if I believe. The one I'm remembering correctly, it was like a push to get uh, small business entrepreneurs to do their own marketing. So they wanted mm. them to cut video and like take out ad space and pay for it and stuff like that. Right, right, right. right. So. Anything to lower that barrier because to do a good video, you typically have to hire, especially if you want something with text. Yeah. It's, you have to hire a video professional to do that yeah. the right way. Or you have really bad meme text like I see all over <laughs> Facebook. You've seen it. We've all seen it, right? Um, and, and that's weird when you're trying to sell whatever you're trying to sell. So, um, Guys, I'm about to delete Periscope. It bothers the hell out of me as people that I don't even think I even follow that want me to watch Periscopes. I, I just get that little whistle all the time. But they're they're still updating it. I, I really think Facebook Live is just going to eat their lunch. Uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, this is our first kind of venture. Uh, we are actually streaming the live broadcast and recording of the show on Facebook Live. So uh, YouTube Live, your days are numbered. 
<laughs> so least, how, how many stream? How many places is this streaming right now? Uh, this show right now yeah. is streaming on YouTube and Facebook. I turned off the Ustream because I didn't okay. want to overload it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's through Wirecast, and it's not even. It's with the old Wirecast Five. I didn't have to upgrade. Um, the new Wirecast has native support, but I didn't feel like throwing 150 bucks at it. Plus, they're doing something weird with their licensing structure that mm. I think is going to screw me over in the long run if I upgrade. Um, but. Uh, if you're familiar with streaming, you, there's uh, stream keys and stuff like that. If you use OBS, which is Open Broadcaster System, I think it is, or, service. Or streaming. It's a free be. software. It's free software. It's cool. So, Which means you don't even need to buy the $500 Wirecast to stream your video that you're editing and doing kind of professionally. You can go and do that in Facebook Live. If you have a page, go into publishing settings, look for live video, and there's some information and some numbers that don't make sense there, and, and that's basically how you get to it. Um, but Periscope is still out there. It, Twitter's going to put all their energy behind it. It still has a bit of a following, but I, I think I can't imagine face it, it still getting a lot of tractions when Facebook has just exploded mm-hmm. with the video side of things. So the one thing I will say about periscope that i really still enjoy is that there's an apple tv app so i can still kind of get that tv watching experience but bounce around periscopes is that something you're doing on your 40 inch tv it's 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 like if i'm bored and i'm like "Eh, there's really nothing else i want to watch i will fire it up and just bounce around and and i'll tell you what one of my one of my favorite things to watch on there and, and it seems like there's a lot of people doing it I I use it as like the inspirational how-to type videos. I, I watch a lot of people and how they're editing video, or I watch a lot of people and how they're editing photos, and and that's kind of my. Mm-hmm. It's it's like my little happy trees. That's, Other people- that's where I go when I want to be inspired, or or I look at something and think, oh. I really like what they're doing there. How can I adapt that either into my workflow or maybe I want to stick that and, and, and take down a couple notes and save it for later. That's, so, that's kind of my play on that. Whereas Facebook, if I run across something, maybe I'll watch, maybe I won't, but because it's not on the TV form factor, it's not as center of mind. Right. Right, exactly. Uh, it sounds like so you're using like kind of like the Twitch create channel is used, where it's like here's people making things, right? Yes. Um, like it's other creators creating things, not just like people looking around. I don't know. Maybe that's the thing. Like the people that I'm getting notifications from are like, watch this person at this conference. You know, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like what what happens when I pull this up anymore? Uh, but- I wish there was a Periscope, and, and maybe there was, and it just never came up in my feed mm-hmm. of the Pittsburgh. Uh, what was it like the state of Pittsburgh address today? Mm-hmm. I saw that from downtown Pittsburgh, um, but I couldn't. All I saw was a bunch of stills with information. I couldn't find any good. I would have loved to find a Periscope feed of that to watch on my way home from work. Yeah, I, I have like a. I don't even know. I, I think one of the guys from Twitter I actually followed when he was here for Social Media Day, and I think that's where I'm getting a lot of this stuff from. Um, oh, Gary Vaynerchuk's still on here, so that's good to see. Um, 
but still, I, I think it's an interesting place if you don't have like, you know, we're really big on we want people on those Facebook pages. And if they don't need to go anywhere else, and that's which is dangerous, I know. Um, if they don't need to go anywhere else to see this stream, for instance, or other stuff like we have that kind of captive ish audience. Like, yeah, maybe they don't see everything you post, but maybe they get notifications now when we go live, for mm-hmm. instance, right? Um, I think that that becomes really interesting. So, so things that Periscope have done. One, um, they can now save their live stream broadcast forever. Uh, they actually were doing a test over the last week where you did hashtag safe when you broadcast, and it would have saved it, right? Now, I believe that is the default in periscope with the next update um that videos are no longer 24 hours they st- they're they're up there right that changes that changes a bit and i think that i think the facebook was a big catalyst for that but the other thing is uh there uh, i don't have an article to go along with this guys but uh, they were the, they were discussing the story on on one of my other news podcasts um there's options that they're going to be bringing down that you can connect your periscope with a gopro and or with um, a certain drone, one of the popular brands. So now you can be in Periscope with your phone, holding it up, doing this, doing selfie style, and then switch your camera, not just to the other camera on your phone, but to the GoPro, to the drone. And now you have this interesting multi-cam shoot option going on hmm. with a live stream running from your damn iPhone. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Um, we'll see how it works, but again, that's kind of one of those tools is like, okay, what do you do with this? Like the, the idea they came up with on the podcast was like somebody surfing and he has a GoPro out there. You're on the beach controlling it and streaming and you have a drone over him. And from a production side of things, how do we, how do we make it sound good as well? (laughs) I I, I think sound is kind of always the, yeah, like I don't, there's not a lot of good sounding periscopes unfortunately yeah, it's, it's usually just the phone the redheaded but. stepchild of, of I, i'm uh, surprised so did you see there was uh the one co- uh sure the company that makes a bunch of condenser microphones mm-hmm. and I, I have the one lightning that clips onto the bottom of the phone they just came out with like an external one so i'm i'm surprised how many lightning port based devices microphones i'm seeing for this reason so i wonder if it is catching on i think it is i mean it is that that very simple thing where you can do that selfie your snapchats are going to sound great now um and i know (laughs) i have that problem because i have the life proof case and i've taken some videos and i'm like what's that knocking sound because it's inside this thing and even though i'm not holding it weird like Odd things are happening to audio in this thing, and I have to. Well, when you, you talk about, about these it. accessories, it's not just the you know average user out there that's taking a selfie. There's also like news news broadcast, television news broadcast does this. I mean, they'll send reporters out on assignment. Everybody's downsized in different ways, but mm-hmm. uh, they'll walk around with iPhones and do pieces of news stories. Uh, <laughs> You know, so you have that end, but then you also have, you know, whether it's something like what, you know, you guys mm-hmm. are doing here with your your, your uh, streaming and your podcast and all that, where you want your content to be really great, too. Mm-hmm. So there are people that know better, I guess would be one way to say it, that uh, want that kind of stuff for that reason. And it's usually pretty inexpensive, too. I, I couldn't imagine any of those. Uh, what What is it? Lightning uh, port? 
microphones. I can't yeah, imagine. Like, like the one, the, the motive um, is one that I've heard about. It's one hundred and fifty dollars. That's the one I'm looking at myself. Um, you know, they're they're a hundred to two hundred bucks. Usually, yeah, that sounds like for there's there's a new one that just came out. I think this week, so you'll want to check out. It's from Sure, and it's a it's a ninety nine dollar. Oh, there you go. Condenser mic that's lightning based. Is it this uh, the MV5? I believe is a look kind of funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at that. Well, and here's the other thing. Um, I've been using more and more my iPhone. I actually have a 5s that I'm like I'm gonna hold on to that thing, and that thing is going in my pocket. It's the thing where I take like extra video. It's the thing where I take, you know, uh, you know, can use as an audio source. You know, that's the thing that I throw up on a podium when I'm kind of worried and want to back up audio just in case, right? Mm. Or something is broken. And I just say, okay, I got to capture this, and I throw, I, I, I throw that spare iPhone with the voice recorder going. Right? Even, even I took the the, the video, the Vanessa uh, German one that, that I just showed you. So she's, a, you saw, she's across the room, right? Yeah. I'm not running a, I'm not running a mic. I'm not doing anything that she's just standing in a room talking to sixty students, right? Mm. I can't. What am I going to do? To, to, I don't have I don't have a wireless, uh, a reliable wireless mic or anything like that. It was really a last minute thing I got dropped into. I took my iPhone. I took the 5s. I took the uh, the um, iPhone headphones that had that little microphone on it, and I said, "Here, um, if you have pockets, if you have something, if you can set this on the table and just kind of tuck those earbuds here, because then the microphone is right here." Yeah. I have an hour of great. Audio, yeah, you know, not perfect, of course. That microphone's not only going to do so good, but better if I would have done any of my other options, quote yeah. high end options with yeah. a lot less fuss. So now I want to invest one of these microphones so I can do that better. Yeah. And instead of getting like a Zoom or something like that, my iPhone is my recorder, right? That I can just throw out there, capture the thing, stay mobile. Yeah, I guess. I guess the biggest. Uh, oh, go ahead. I, I, I've been using I've been using Hyperlapse. Remember Hyperlapse? Oh yes. For, so I've actually been using Hyperlapse as a steady cam, mm-hmm. and then instead of putting it in Hyperlapse mode where it goes at six times, I kick it back down to one X, and then I have a I have steady cam footage from me walking around a room to film a tutorial. Yeah, because it does an interesting thing where it it does it doesn't take the whole frame. It does the stead, it does. The whole idea was it was supposed to take time lapses, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it would make them smooth. And it was like Microsoft had a diff- different version of this that they were doing. Right. Um, and and it's it's just a great steady cam with your with your phone kind of thing. Um, nice little video hacks. Yeah, and with with everything with these tools, uh, you know, it, even from when the first stills cameras DSLR started shooting video, the the challenge has always been, well, how do I uh, I've, I can do this thing where the quality's good, right? You know, mm-hmm. so you, so you kind of have that thing unlocked, but then it's it comes down to ergonomics and functionality, like battery life. Uh, all those things start to come into play, which is why I don't know. I, I like the option of like using the smartphone, and if it's the only, if it, it is the tool you have with you and right. as a plan B or whatever, I really like that. But there's a reason why I still use that Zoom. You know, that's. It, for one thing, it's two hundred bucks. Uh, an iPhone is what, like six hundred or seven hundred dollars now. So if you're thinking about it like as a primary piece, uh, you could build a system around it if you did it right and still mm-hmm. probably be fairly economical and get what you want out of it. But when it comes to building a system that is going to work for the kind of work that you're doing, uh, you know, it's it's not for every scenario. I would say. So there's, there's a lot of special case uses where I think it's fantastic. And if it works for you, great. But 
there's there's still some things other than quality i think that are you know functionality wise that separate certain things like that production mm. pieces well we have been going through i think we talked about four official things this entire show um but great long conversations ryan it's been awesome having you on the show and especially i'm glad we had so many uh video and production kind of angled stories uh to, to, to talk with you this week thanks so uh so blood on the leaves uh where can people find it again and get the uh, uh movie tickets if you're in the area so, Blood on the Leaves is going to be at the Hollywood Theater in Dormont on June 1st, and uh, screenings at 7.30, doors open at 6.30, but you can go online, uh, and if you go on botlmovie.com, you can find the link for it for ShowClicks. Uh, they're actually a Pittsburgh-based company, uh, so if you guys ever need to do an event, ShowClicks is a really good uh, ticket service provider. Great people. We've we worked with them uh, uh, several times with PodCamp Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're based out. Uh, it's where the Oaks Theater is. I'm going to Oakmont. Is that is that the, the so. neighborhood? Okay, uh, I'm I'm really geographically challenged. But uh, so at any rate, botlmovie.com. You can go on. Uh, I believe. Yeah, we have a link on the Facebook page. So it's uh, you know fb.com backslash botlmovie. Um, but you can get the tickets online, and you can come out. There's going to be. I think we had. I'm just counting the people on the poster here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Technically, nine people that were based out of Pittsburgh at the time that were that are in the movie when we filmed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those people are going to be there at the screening because they want to see their work. Like a lot of them have not seen. You know, I, I you know I haven't even seen everything quite assembled yet. We're still getting the the final polish on it, but it'll be the first time for them to see what they did back in October. So mm-hmm. it should be exciting. That's awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's marked on my calendar. I'm hoping to get out there and support it as well. You guys should too. I like to see a lot of awesome casters. And I know a lot of you guys are here in the South Hills, so please go check that out. Chilla, you got chillatech.net. I do, and actually, I'm. I just downloaded the one of the things that we the, we didn't talk about the hit hit film mm-hmm. for Express. So hopefully, I'll have some kind of demo of that next week. Um, Super excited to play around with that and a post up on the site as well. Awesome. Check that out. And, of course, everything at awesomecast.net. Follow us on Facebook because apparently we're doing live video there now. And uh, you can check out the show uh, live or before we get that final version out or whatever the case may be. Or maybe not at all because the streamer is blinking at me and I don't know why. Uh, Check us out on Twitter, awesomecast, and uh, uh, subscribe to us on wherever fine podcasts are, uh, are, are out there. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Ryan Haggerty, John Chichilla. Um, thank you to our awesome chat room at live.sortertronmedia.com. Join us also at riversedgepgh.com, 8 a.m. Thursday morning, uh, right after Funny Money, and, uh, and so many other places. Thank you to our awesome chat room. You've been our awesome audience. Have an awesome week. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.